Good morning, Lakeview Church. So good to be with you today. So good to be with you. We've been walking through a message series, and if you've been here over the last several weeks, you're aware of this message series. It's called The Road to Freedom. Today is going to be the final message in that series, and uh, we're going to walk through the passage that Dave just read for us a moment ago. This uh, whole series, we've been saying that uh, we're an everyday church for everyday people where every single day we follow Jesus, we live generously, and we make a difference. And we know that as we set out to live that kind of life, the life which we believe God wants every single person to live, we know that there are things that weigh us down, things that hold us back, sin that trips us up and keeps us from becoming the people that God wants us to be. And so we've just been asking the question in this series, what would it take for us to get rid of those things that weigh us down? What would it take for us to strip off the sin that tangles around our feet and trips us up and keeps us from running the race that God has marked out for us to run? This is what the writer of the book of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, when he says that it's our job as people are looking down at us to throw off every weight and all of the sin that trips us up so that we can run the race that God has marked out for us to run. And as we've been walking through the book of Romans, we've just been asking that question, and we've been learning a lot about sin and grace. We've been learning about anger, God's anger towards us, and God's love, that even when God is angry, he doesn't act in wrath and vengeance. Instead, he acts in love and mercy, and he does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He actually creates a way for us to come back into relationship with God, to be forgiven of our sins, and to be made completely different and new. This morning, we're going to conclude this series with a message that I'm calling Finding Freedom. And as I have prepared this message series, as I have prayed for our time together today, I really believe that there are people in our congregation who need a new, fresh work of God's Spirit in their life to set them free and to get rid of the weight that is weighing you down, keeping you from running the race that God has marked out for you to run. I've been asking God to help us to do a deep work in us to make us everything that he wants us to be because at the end of the day, that is the work that God wants to do in our congregation. He wants every single one of us to be everything that he has imagined for us to be and my prayer is for us to become that. And so before we go any further in this message, I wanna just pray and ask the spirit of God to speak to our hearts today. So would you join me in prayer this morning? God, I come before you in this moment. And I know, God, that um, there are lots of things that could distract us right now. Lots of things that could take our attention away from what you want to do in these moments that we spend together. God, I am simply asking you over these next few moments to eliminate all of those distractions. Take them away from our attention and help us to focus in on not, not me and not my words, but help us to focus in on you and on your words during these moments that we spend together. 
God, we give you this time. And we ask now for you to be honored in these moments. Speak to us, Lord, for we are listening. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The big idea that I want to share with you today in this message is that God's If you didn't think that prayer was necessary, think again. God's greatest desire for your life is that you would find freedom. And and it's important for us to hear this message today, and here's why. Because I think there are a lot of Christians in today's world who believe that Jesus came so that you could be forgiven from your sins, you could be made right with God, and you could find your eternal home in heaven. And I want you to know that all of that is 100% true. Jesus Christ died on the cross, and when you put your faith in him, your sins can be forgiven, and your life can be changed, and you can have the assurance that you will spend eternity in heaven with God. That is 100% true. But if you think that is the extent of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you need to broaden your vision. Because Jesus did not come just so you could be forgiven of your sins. Jesus did not come just so you could make it into heaven. Jesus came so that you could find freedom from sin, so that you could become everything that God intended for you to be when he originally created you. This is God's plan for your life. And the idea that you could find freedom in today's world seems like a radical idea. I mean, we know our lives, right? Could we really find freedom from all of the things that keep us from the life that God wants us to live? Could we really find victory over those things that trip us up and weigh us down? Is that really possible? Seems like a radical hope in today's world to think that that could happen. And yet... That kind of hope isn't shallow and it isn't misplaced. It's rooted firmly in the words of Scripture, just like the passage that was read today, which we're going to unpack over these next few minutes. See, the reality is, is that God wants you. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to find freedom. This is God's plan for your life. And yet we know that when we come to faith in Jesus, I've talked about it in this series, we we find forgiveness, we have new hope, a new life, a new beginning, and then we wake up on Monday morning and we still want to sin. What is that? Why do we do that? And we kind of go in this journey where we really do love Jesus, we really do have faith in Jesus, and yet we find ourselves wanting to do the things that mark our old life and not the new one. Right, And so we go in this cycle and we start to wonder, is transformation, is freedom, is victory really possible in this life? Some people in the church have have talked about transformation, but I think that the way they've talked about it hasn't been particularly helpful. Some people will talk about transformation, and they talk about it not as something that you experience. They talk about it as a way that God chooses to look at you. So in other words, you come to faith in Jesus, and you're forgiven of your sins. You're made right with God. You're going to heaven, and yet you're still in your sin. 
You still want to sin every single day. You still want to live the life that you used to live. And, and some people, when they talk about transformation, they don't talk about transformation as something you experience. They talk about it almost as a covering that God places over your life so that you continue to live in your sin. But when God looks at your life, he doesn't see that. He just sees you transformed and holy. Now, this is not transformation. This is just a way for us to feel better about not being transformed. To say that I'm still living in my sin, but it's okay, because when God looks at me, he sees me as perfectly righteous and holy in his sight. Other people, particularly in uh, kind of the holiness tradition of which the Wesleyan Church is a part, we, we kind of came up with another false way to talk about transformation. John Ortberg calls it boundary marker spirituality. You might be more familiar with it if I call it legalism. Boundary marker spirituality, as John Ortberg describes it in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, he says it this way. He says that, that along the way, the church stopped believing that people could actually become different, that they could actually become like Christ. They stopped believing that, but they still wanted to know who was in and who was out. So they created a short list of rules. And those rules reflected the hot button issues of their day. Right? And we could name them if we wanted to. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't hang out with girls that do. You know, all, all of those kinds of things, right? Like, like we, we have those kind of list of rules that, that we've created over time in the church. And here's the reality. Those rules weren't really to produce transformation. They were just to help us know who was in and who was out. So theoretically, you could keep the list of rules and still gossip. Because we didn't have a rule about that. You could still be divisive or have a critical spirit or even use unethical practices in your business life. And it was okay as long as you kept these rules, which created a world that looked at the church and said they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Why? Because we were keeping our rules to say we're in, but the world's looking at us and saying, you're really not that much different than everybody else. That's boundary marker spirituality, and it's not real transformation. It's fake transformation. And I just want you to know that neither one of those realities represents God's full plan for our lives. Jesus did not come just so you could stay in your sin, but God would see you as holy. And Jesus did not come just so you could keep a short list of rules and then do whatever you want with the rest of your life. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came because he wants you to find freedom. That's why Jesus came. I take you back to Romans chapter 6. This is the uh, passage we looked at last week. Verse 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? What does verse 2 say? Of course not. Does God want you to continue to sin? Is this why Jesus came? No, Jesus didn't come just to forgive you. He came to set you free because this is what God wants for your life. When you continue reading in Romans chapter six, you get down to verse 11 where it says, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. And then just a couple of verses later in verse 13, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. 
Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. And if you keep reading in the book of Romans, you come to Romans chapter 7, verse 4. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds. One translation says, we can produce a harvest of righteousness for the glory of God. And then we get to chapter 8, verse 2 which was read for us just a moment ago. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I want to just tell you today, God wants you to find freedom. This is what he wants for your life. This is his desire. This is his plan. This is his purpose for humanity. Not just that we would be forgiven, but that we would find freedom in him. God wants you to find freedom. And if you're anything like me, I know where you're going next. Yeah, he might want that, but is that really possible? Which brings me to the second point of today's message. God wants you to find freedom, but point number two, God has made freedom possible. And just one more time, I want to be really clear what we're talking about when we talk about freedom. Freedom is not God declaring you to be righteous even when you're not. And freedom is not you keeping a set of rules and then living the rest of your life however you please. And freedom in Christ and freedom from sin is not just that you would have some tools that God gives you to manage your sin more effectively. Freedom is none of those things. When I talk about freedom, I am talking about the Spirit of God so filling our lives that we actually become different people. Just like Jesus at the wedding at Cana turned the water into wine, he didn't just change its color. He didn't just make it taste like wine. He actually changed the substance from water to wine. God can do that with our lives. Through the power of his spirit coming into our lives, God can actually change us from being a sinner controlled by the sinful nature to being a Christ follower controlled by the spirit of God. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the power of God so coming into our lives that he doesn't just change our behavior, but he changes our desires, our inclinations, the very bent of our soul away from God. He changes it towards God so that as we walk in step with the Spirit of God, we can go out in this world and do whatever we want to do. And when we do whatever we want to do, we find ourselves doing exactly what Christ would do in that moment. That's the kind of freedom we're talking about today. And again, if you're anything like me, I know where you're going next. That sounds really nice, but impossible. And I would just agree with you. 100% that kind of life is impossible if you're talking about figuring that out in your own strength. See, when we talk about freedom, we talk about holiness, we talk about what the Wesleyan Church has historically called sanctification, 
when we talk about that. We are not talking about something you can do in your own power or your own strength. You actually need a miracle of God. You actually need God to do something in you that you cannot do in your own strength. That's what you need. You need God to turn water into wine. And that's miraculous. There is no way to do that apart from a miracle. And you can't find freedom, the freedom that God wants you to have without a work of God. Paul confronted this exact reality of the impossibility that we could be transformed in Romans chapter 7. In verse 19, this is what Paul himself says, one of the greatest leaders of the church of all time. This is what Paul says. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Can anyone identify with that reality that we live our lives and we think, I know this is right and I want to do that. And then we find ourselves somehow falling short of doing what we're supposed to do. And then there are other times when we say, no matter how many times we think about it, we think that is wrong. I want to avoid that behavior. I don't want to fall into that habit of sin anymore. I don't want to give into that addiction that seems to be controlling my life anymore. And we say that over and over and over again. And yet, what do we do? We engage in the behavior that we don't want to engage in. Why is that? It is because we are controlled by the sinful nature. Now, some people read Romans chapter 7, verse 19, and they say, see, there it is. If Paul, a church leader, couldn't find freedom, then how in the world can I find freedom? I'm not Paul. I didn't write half of the New Testament. Right? We think to ourselves, if Paul couldn't find it, how can we find it? But here's the problem. People who use that argument didn't keep reading because if you keep reading in Romans chapter 7, you come to verse 24 where Paul says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and by death? And then you read the next verse. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Paul confronted the frustration of a sinful life. I want to do the things that are right, but I don't do those things. And the things that are wrong, I want to avoid with everything that is within me. And yet, I keep doing those things. Who will rescue me? I'm a miserable person. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ. And then we read in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. God wants you to find freedom, and God has made this freedom possible. Romans chapter 8 goes on to explain two different resources that God has employed to make this freedom possible. You already know what they are if you've been in this message series, but I want to just remind you. Number one. Jesus Christ died, and he was raised again. He died to pay the price for your sin, and he was raised to new life to guarantee your victory over sin. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, freedom is possible. In fact, I would say freedom is already yours. You just need to step into it if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus died and was raised again to set you free from the power of sin, but many of you didn't know you were free. Your chains were already broken and they're laying at your feet. You just haven't stepped into the freedom that God has made possible. You think that you're controlled by your sin, but I want to tell you today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection has made it possible for you to not have to sin again. You don't have to. You don't have to. Because Jesus paid the price and made a way for you to find freedom. He made it possible. And as if that's not enough, Paul says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. You think you don't have what it takes? Well, on your own, you don't. But good news, the spirit of the living God lives in you. And because the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, you can live and walk in freedom. Do you, do you not recognize the power that you have, not in your strength, not in your name, but because the Spirit of God lives in you? And you say, I don't think the Spirit lives in me. Well, if the Spirit doesn't live in you, then you're not a child of God. The only way that you are a child of God is when the Spirit of God lives inside of you. It is that Spirit that testifies with your spirit that you are a child of God. It's by that Spirit in you that you can call God your Father. And so, yes, if you are a child of God, the Spirit of God lives in you. And that Spirit is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. What is not possible with that resource living on the inside of you? What is not possible? Freedom is possible because Jesus died and he was raised again and the spirit of God lives in you. God wants you to find freedom. He's made this freedom possible. But there's a third thing that you need to know today. God invites you to find freedom. And this is important to understand because you have to participate in the process. Right? And this is really, really important. And this is also where freedom gets really tricky. Because what happens is when we hear that we have to participate in the process, we start to view God transactionally. We start to think of God as like a vending machine that doles out holiness. And so we go to God and we try to have the right kind of currency. For some of us, that currency is we believe that if we keep a certain set of rules, if we do A, B, and C, if we obey God, then God will love us and he will make us holy. As if somehow our activity in coming to church and doing good deeds and being religious nice people is somehow going to convince God and pull the levers so that God will release holiness into our lives. That's seeing God transactionally. And I would say that's kind of the humanistic perspective, right? It starts with us. It's up to us. We'll work really hard and we'll convince God to make us holy. And many, many Christians do this. Many Christians do this. They work really hard to try to convince God to do his work in their lives. That's the humanistic side. There's another side that's just as transactional, and I'll call this the kind of spiritual side. Not because I think it's more holy or more spiritual, but because they view it not, not as human effort, 
and kind of a works-based righteousness, but they view it as kind of a passive Christianity that just waits for God to zap us and make us holy. The people on this end, they're trying to conjure up the right amount of faith and say the right kind of words and pray the right kind of prayers with the right amount of passion. And if they get everything just right, dial in everything that needs to be dialed in, then God will obviously favor us. On that end, it's legalism and works. On this end, it's this idea of formulas and kind of working ourselves into it spiritually. I just want to let you know both of those are not the right way because they're built on seeing God transactionally. And here's what I want you to know. God did not create you so he could have someone with whom he could conduct religious transactions. That is not why God created you. God created you for relationship created you to live in union with himself. The whole point of the whole thing is relationship. So why would God respond to our transactional approaches on either end of the spectrum when all God wants is for us to participate in the process, not transactionally, but relationally? This is what God is inviting for each and every one of us. And why is that? Well, because at the end of it all, God doesn't want you just to be holy. God wants you to be in union with him. This is why the writer of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness is a means to an end. I bet you didn't see that one coming. God does not want to make you holy so he can put you on a shelf and say, look at how holy they are. God wants you to be holy because he wants you to be closer to himself. And every bit of sin that remains in your life keeps you further away from God. And what God aches for more than anything else is to draw you close to himself so that you live in union with God. This is what God desires. And this is why God wants you to find freedom so that you can step into holiness and you can live in union with God. This is what it's all about. So I'm not here today to tell you to pursue holiness. That would be a goal that is too small. Pursue God. Don't pursue holiness. Pursue God. Because that's the point of it all. Relationship. So how do we participate in the process of finding freedom? I want to give you three things. First, got to establish the relationship. I know in a group this size that there are people in this room who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know who you are. But I know that there are people in this room, you're here today, you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never asked him to forgive your sins. You've never put your faith in him. You've never made a decision to make him Lord of your life. And for you today, the next step is the first one, which is just simply to establish the relationship with Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him. Trust him. Begin to walk with him. He'll forgive you, give you a brand new start, to put you on a new path, and he'll begin your journey toward freedom. Others of you in this room, you've been walking with Jesus. I mean, you, you've already been a Christian, maybe for a long time. But you have a transactional view of God. 
I'm telling you, I have enough conversations with enough of you to know that you still think of God transactionally. You're thinking about what am I gonna give God so that I could get something from God in return. And I wanna just tell you, just put all of that aside. Just pursue God in relationship. If you love me, Jesus said, then you will obey my commands. Don't worry about obeying the commands. Worry about loving God more. As your love for him grows, the rest of life will fall in line. Establish the relationship. Secondly, you need to recognize the resources. Again, some of you are here today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, but you didn't know you were free. No one ever told you. No one ever told you that Jesus, when he died, he didn't just die so that you could be forgiven. He died to break the power of sin. And when he was raised again, your victory was secure. And if you're a follower of Jesus, the victory that he purchased is yours. It's yours. You can step into that freedom. And, and some of you didn't know that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. This is why in our lives we have to learn to stay in step with the Spirit. Not because the Spirit isn't there. No, He is in your life if you are a follower of Christ. If you are a child of God, the Spirit is there. The whole journey of the faith is learning to stay in tune and in step with the Holy Spirit so that you can walk where He is leading you to walk. And guess where the Spirit leads you? Always, always, always into freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is the message. So I want to just encourage you, establish the relationship and recognize the resources. And then the third thing that I would say is you need to cooperate with God. You need to cooperate with God. You cannot become holy without the miracle working power of God. But God will not make you holy without your participation in the journey. You cannot become holy without the miracle working power of God at work in your life. But God will not make you holy without your participation in the journey. And so you have to learn to cooperate with God. You have to learn to walk in step with him. God's spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's God's work. You can't do that. But you can put to death the misdeeds of the body. That's our work. The Spirit of God will lead us to fulfill all the righteous requirements of the law, but we have to count ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. That's our work. God does his work and we do our work. And when God does his part and we do our part, guess what happens? We grow. We advance in the journey. This is a cooperative effort between us and God. I grew up on the East Coast. And so it's really hard for me to be landlocked like this. I love the ocean. I know that you guys like to swim in lakes and all that kind of stuff, but it's just not the same. For a while, we lived in Annapolis, Maryland, which is the sailing capital of the world. And it was not uncommon for us to go out on uh, the highway where we would cross over the Severn River on the Severn River Bridge, coming out of Annapolis, going towards the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. And when we would cross over that bridge, we could look up and down the river when the weather was nice and see tons and tons of sailboats. 
Now, here's the thing about sailing. I, I'm not a sailor. I'm not Popeye, okay? But I know a little bit about sailing. I know that for sailing to work, you need two things. You need a hoisted sail, and you need wind. I know, it's genius. Profound. You heard it here. Here's the thing. The wind can be blowing strong in the direction that you want to go. But as a sailor, if you don't actually hoist the sails, you aren't going anywhere. In the same way, you can hoist the sails with all of the effort and tenacity that you can possibly muster. But if the wind doesn't blow, you still won't go anywhere. You got to have both things. And our journey with God is exactly the same way. There are things that we have to do to put ourselves in a place where God's spirit and the wind of God, the breath of God tends to blow. We read the scriptures and the wind of God's spirit blows and reveals truth to us that we need to hear. And then we respond in faith and obedience and God pours out grace through the wind of his spirit in our life and we change and we grow. And we put ourselves in places like church services like this where we worship God and the wind of God's spirit blows. We don't just sing songs because we're trying to have something to do before the message. No, we sing because these are, these are prayers that we are praying to God, asking God to blow through our lives. And as he reveals himself, we respond in faith and obedience and love and devotion. And God pours out grace and we change and we grow. On and on it goes. God works and we work and God works, and we work, and we grow on the road to freedom. And as we go down the road, we find ourselves living our lives in a way that when we go out and we do whatever we want to do, we find ourselves doing exactly what Jesus would do if he were living our lives in that moment. And that's the freedom that God wants you to have that's the freedom that God has made possible, and that's the freedom that he invites you in today. So Pastor Christian's going to lead us in a song, and this song really is a song that calls for a response. It literally is an invitation to come to the altar. Today there are people in this room who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no better time than today to begin that relationship. There are some of you have been walking as a Christian for a long time, but it's all been about transactions. You've actually been seeing Christianity as a religion, and today you need to see it as a relationship. Some of you need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to be renewed and revived for the journey that God has called you to live out. Some of you today are held captive by sin. You can't stop looking at the images on your computer screen. No matter how many times you said, I, I want to stop doing what is wrong, you can't stop. Some of you keep returning to the sinful pattern in your life over and over again. Maybe, maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's a substance that you can't seem to get away from. 
Maybe, maybe it's, it's one of those attitudes, gossiping, backbiting, a critical spirit. I don't know what it is, but I know this. If it's not from God, if it's not of God, if it doesn't please God, then you ought to get it out of your life. Because it's weighing you down and it's tripping you up and it's keeping you from running the race that God has marked out for you to run. And more than anything else, as your pastor today, I want to look you in the eye and tell you, I just want you to run the race that God has marked out for you to run. That's all I want. That is all I want. That is my job as your pastor is to just invite you to get rid of everything that would keep you from running the race that God has marked out for you to run. So I don't know what God's gonna talk to you about today. And quite frankly, it's none of my business. It's between you and the Lord. But here's what I know. Whatever God asks you to do, I just want you to say yes. I just want you to say yes. And so here's what we're gonna do as we close this service. I'm gonna invite you to stand. And as we sing this song, if God is asking you to do something, I just want to invite you to say yes. And I want, you to invite, I want to invite you to say yes by simply coming to this altar. And you can kneel, you can stand. If you can't do one of those, you can sit on these front pews. But church, here's what I want you to know. People are going to come to this altar today. This is not a place of condemnation. It's not a place of shame. This is a place of celebration. This is a place where chains fall off. This is a place of freedom. And I don't want anybody to have their chains fall off and then be up here alone. I want them to have someone with them. So if you're not coming to the altar today, if someone else comes, can you just come and put a hand on their shoulder and pray with them and encourage them and let them know that they are not alone today? Church, we're gonna sing this song, and as we do, I'm just inviting you to come to the altar. And together, let's find freedom. Come as we sing today.